Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast in the series, Simplify. Our big idea today is avoid isolation and fight for connectedness. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 6. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Well, good morning and welcome. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here at Valley Point. It is great to see you. Thank you so much for being here. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Proverbs chapter 6. And we're going to jump right into our paragraph today and discover what it has to say to us. You can also scan the QR code on your program, and that'll bring up all of our notes and all of our scripture for today. And what we're going to find here is that there are some specific things that God is thinking about in this paragraph. Or we could say it this way, there are some things that God kind of warns us about in terms of our behavior. This is Proverbs chapter 6, starting with verse 16. Here's what it says. There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. These are some really strong words here that kind of make you sit up and pay attention. Like, wow, this is kind of intense. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen one of these billboards? When we moved here a few years ago, I found them to be rather fascinating. And I began to ask, what in the world did this guy do to earn a billboard that speaks of such disdain? Like, this guy must have really messed up at some point in his life to where there are billboards that speak of people who hate him. And so after we got here, I did my research and actually found this to be a rather interesting and unique way to raise awareness or to create interest in Steven Singer's jewelry business. And that's exactly what it does. And now I don't think anything of these signs. Until a couple of weeks ago when my daughter Clarice had a friend visit from Chicago. And we picked her up from the airport and we drove back to our house and she spotted one of these billboards and she said, what did that guy do where everybody hates him? And so I shared with her all of the information and my research and it reminded me of how strong the word hate is. It's a word That when it's used, again, kind of causes you to sit up and pay attention. This is strong language. And what we find here in Proverbs chapter 6 is that the author shares seven different things that God himself hates. And he just comes right out and he says it. Here's what God hates. Here's what God detests. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. Why are we talking about this? 
Well, we're in week seven of our summer series called Simplify. And what we've been doing all summer long is just unpacking some biblical truth and principles that unclutter the soul and help us to simplify life. And so I want to continue with that theme and continue with the challenge that we do indeed need to unclutter our souls and simplify in several different areas. Today I want to talk about deepening your relational circles. And so we're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about having meaningful friends. Which is kind of interesting because the paragraph talks about hate. And you don't normally find hate and meaningful friends and deepening your relationship circles in the same context. So we're going to get there in just a moment. I do want to say, though, if you're a student in the room, if you're in middle school or high school or college, I would encourage you to lean in because this is important content. Take some good notes. You have a lifetime of relationships in front of you, and if you get this right now, life will just be better. It will. Young adults, important content. Marrieds. This is important content. Seniors, this is important content. And I know some of you may be thinking, do we really have to talk about friendship and about relationships? This seems like a juvenile kind of topic. But it's not, and we are going to talk about it. At least 90% of the counseling that I give to people who walk through my office door has some relational component tied to it. And there are different ways that that happens. But at least 90% of the counseling that I give to people deals with relationships. And so, yes, we need this, and here's why. Who we have around us matters. And they do rub off on us. Think about that. Who we have around us matters. And they do rub off on us. Have you ever heard the phrase, stupid rubs off? It's true, isn't it? Well, guess what? High character also rubs off, and that's what we want to talk about today. So let's discuss how we can simplify our friendships. And I think we find an amazing template here in Proverbs chapter 6, where the writer talks about some things that God doesn't like and that doesn't sit well with him that we can actually use as a grid for evaluating the relationships that we have. So here's our big idea for today. Avoid isolation and instead fight for connectedness. I've observed something. Here's what I've observed. We tend to do the opposite of that. We fight for isolation and avoid connectedness. And here's the thing. When we fight for isolation, we can find ourselves in a lot of danger, and isolated people can be dangerous. And so let's think about how we can avoid isolation and fight for connectedness. And here's how I want to do that. And this is going to be a busy day. I've got a lot of content I want to cover. So again, I'd encourage you to sit up, grab a writing utensil, 
take great notes because I hope that you walk out of here with a grid for knowing how you can deepen your relational circles and kind of evaluate who you are as a friend and the other friendships that are around you. So take great notes. And what I want to do is I want to share two thinking points. And then we're going to come back to Proverbs chapter 6 and look at these seven things that God hates. And again, roll out this template for evaluating our relationships. And then I'll have some takeaways. Make sense? Ready? Here's thinking point number one. There are levels of friendships. There's actually levels of friendships. And I think when we understand this... And when we begin to think about these different levels, it actually helps us with the relationships that we have. So let me talk to you a little bit about the three levels of relationships. The first level is what I'll call circumstantial friends. These are the relationships that we have that are based on a circumstance. If you take the circumstance away, the friendship probably doesn't exist. These aren't deep friends, but they're not fake friends either. These are the people that we say hi to at work. These are the people that we may coach with. They are circumstantial friends because there is something in our lives that has brought us together. You take away the circumstance and the relationship probably doesn't exist. Again, they're not deep friends, but they're not fake friends either. Let me give you an example. I go to a Starbucks that's not too far from here a couple of times a week. And I now know the manager of the Starbucks. We have become what I would classify as circumstantial friends. And I know some things about him, and he knows some things about me. And this continues to progress over our time together. He knows that I'm a pastor, and so he'll often ask about Valley Point Church, and how are things going, and did you have a great weekend, and he loves hearing my reports. He attends a church that's not too far from here, and I'll ask about his church, and how is that going, and he's involved in leadership there, and so I ask him some questions about some of the stuff that happens there, and I take away some things from that that we can use here. I discovered recently he has a daughter that was in seminary out in California. And she recently graduated and got her first job at a church out there in California. He's really proud of her and really happy for her. And so I asked about her and her work at the church and how is that going. This is all based on some circumstances. We're circumstantial friends. He works at Starbucks. I happened to go there to get coffee. If I ever, for whatever reason, and I don't see this happening in my future, stop drinking coffee, the circumstance changes. Or if he moves and takes another job or goes to a different store to manage it, then the circumstance changes and I may never run into him again. It doesn't make it a bad friendship or wrong. It's just a circumstantial friendship. And we all have these in our lives. Here's the second level of friendship. It's seasonal. These are the friendships that come into our life for a very specific time frame. Could be short, could be long, we're not sure, but they're friends for a season and we enjoy 
these individuals, but occasionally the season changes. There may be a retirement or perhaps a relocation of some kind. And we remain friends, but the relationship changes because we no longer have proximity. I would posit to you that most of the friendships we have in life are indeed seasonal. That's what they are. And that's okay. We need these kinds of friendships. I was talking to my wife, Tanya, about this just recently. And since we've been here for a little over five and a half years, we've made a lot of friends, and we're really thankful for the friendships that we have with people here at Valley Point and outside of Valley Point Church in the community. There are two couples in particular that we have become good friends with. And what we discovered is that God kind of reshuffled the deck a little bit. And both of those families are no longer here. They have relocated to different parts of the country. These were people that we ate with and we laughed with and we cried with and we thought we could be friends for a very long time, but they have moved on. We're still friends, but that's an example of a true seasonal friendship. And I think when we look at our relationships this way and understand that most of the friendships we have in life are going to fit into that category, it helps us to enjoy every week, every month, every year with these seasonal friends because we don't know when the deck may get reshuffled and things may change. So the first level of friendship is circumstantial friends. There are seasonal friends and then occasionally circumstances and chemistry align in such a way that we have this. We have lifelong friends. And that's rare and unusual. And when we come across a lifelong friend, when circumstances and chemistry align in such a way that we just have a lifelong friend, we should enjoy them for the true gift that they are. And know that that's a very special thing in life. So as we think about evaluating our relationships, I think it is really helpful to know that there are circumstantial friends, there are seasonal friends, and then there are lifelong friends. That's thinking point number one. There are levels of friendship. Here's thinking point number two. An unevaluated, underdeveloped relational world can wreak havoc on our lives. That's just true. And we don't often think about evaluating and developing our relationships, but if we don't, it can wreak havoc in our lives. And today, what we want to do is we want to evaluate our friendships. And in the process, we want to evaluate how we're doing and how we're being as a friend as well. So let's have a bit of an evaluation. Question, when is the last time that you evaluated your relationships? Where you thought about them? And how are they impacting me and how am I impacting them? When's the last time that you've done a six-month review or a year-end review on your relationships? Well, today is the day. And I think in doing this and in walking through it, it's really going to help us simplify life. So let's evaluate and come up with some ways to deepen our relational circles. 
Now, to do that, I want to go back to Proverbs chapter 6. And I want to look at each one of these seven statements and kind of peel them apart a little bit and give some textual information as to what is happening here. And why does the writer say that God detests these things? And how can we use that as a grid for evaluating our relationships? But before we do that, I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about the warning lights on the dashboard of your car. Those things are really annoying, aren't they? And if you're like me, I have had multiple cars where it seems like most of those warning lights are on all the time. And I have actually found that you can ignore those lights and your car can continue to run. Now, I know there are mechanics in the room who are going crazy right now because you're never supposed to ignore the lights, but you actually can drive your car for a very long time. And as long as those lights aren't flashing and screaming at you, your car can function. I think I know every warning light on the dashboard of my car because, again, they've all been on at times. And, well, that one means low tire pressure. Or that one means I haven't changed the oil in my car for over a year and it's probably time to do that. That one tells me I have a headlight out. That one tells me my car is trashed and I need to clean it. And I know all of these different warning lights. I would actually present to you that I could save you hundreds of dollars of diagnostic testing if you just bring your car to me and I'll tell you what the warning light is. But I've actually found you can really ignore these things. About a year ago, there was a warning light on the dashboard of my car that came on and I looked at it. I'm like, I don't know what that warning light is. I've never seen that one before. And I really didn't care about it because it wasn't screaming at me and I didn't have the time to look it up in the book, so I just kept driving. And eventually what happened is the lights on my car went out. I couldn't tell how fast I was going. I lost all power, but the car was still running, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I'm like, well, I'm still fine because the car is moving. (laughs) I can still do this. But it occurred to me, I might need to get into a safe place where I can park the car and not create a problem. So I found a parking lot, and I turned the car off, and it was deader than dead. Turns out, that particular warning light was telling me, fix your alternator. It's broken. Here is something that you need to adjust if you want your car to continue to operate in a right kind of way. And this is exactly what we find in Proverbs chapter 6. These are warning lights on the dashboard of our life telling us that we need to evaluate. Fix this. Adjust this. Because if you don't, you might find yourself stuck on the side of the road or in a parking lot and you will need a tow. And that is never fun or enjoyable. So Proverbs chapter 6, these are warning lights that speak of characteristics that keep people and keep us from being high character. And this is what we want to think about today. How can we surround ourselves with people who have high character and how can we live that way as well? But what we find here in Proverbs chapter 6 are these warning lights that speak of characteristics in others and in us that are not high character. And when we discover these lights flashing on the dashboard of our life, here's what we need to do. We need to repent. We've got to spend an appropriate amount of time with God and just make sure that we're right with Him. And then we need to go out and find the people that we've hurt and seek forgiveness from them. 
And then when we see these lights flashing in the people around us, we've got to be able to put up our guard and know how to appropriately help them. So, let's do some evaluating right now in ourselves and in our relationships. And let's pull some things right out of Proverbs chapter 6. And I think in doing this, we're going to simplify life and deepen our relational circles. So, let's run the list Straight out of Proverbs chapter 6, here's number one. It's haughty eyes. And the word haughty here comes from a Hebrew word that means to be high. Now, it's not that kind of high, all right? We're talking about basic arrogance. And I'm above you or I'm greater than you. And scripture has a lot to say about arrogance and arrogant people. It's icky and it rubs off. It's not high character. Number two, a lying tongue. And this is talking about dishonesty and exaggerations. Ever noticed how difficult it is to be a truth teller in a pool of dishonesty and exaggerations? That can be a really difficult thing. And sometimes this can be hard to avoid in our relational circles, whether that's with friends or whether that's at work. We kind of get pulled into this, and it can be difficult to find our way out and live the way God wants us to live. But yet we do have some specific instruction in Scripture that tells us telling the truth and being truthful is a big deal to God, and it's high character. And when we speak the truth, it impacts relationships and business and marriages, and it works everywhere it's given room to breathe. So a lying tongue, dishonesty, exaggerations, uh, that stuff rubs off, and it's low character. Number three, hands that kill the innocent. And this is not talking about murder. It's referring to being mean-spirited. And people who are mean-spirited have a tendency to be angry and and violent. And so the idea of the language here is we're talking about being gentle, which is not weak. It's power under control. That's what gentleness means. Probably the greatest example of this we have in Scripture is Jesus himself. Jesus was truthful. There were times where he was angry at injustice and angry at sin. But yet Jesus never had hands that killed the innocent. He was never mean-spirited. He always functioned in a way that was gentle. He had power under control. And that's high character. I'm thinking of the time where Jesus was about to be arrested and taken away to be brutally beaten and killed. And individuals came to take him and capture him. And one of his close friends, by the name of Peter, was really excited about this. And he thought that they were treating Jesus in a harsh way. And he wanted justice for his friend. And so Peter rushed into the scene. He grabbed a sword, Scripture tells us. And he cut off the ear of one of the individuals there to arrest Jesus. And Jesus does something in that moment that demonstrates he did not have hands that kill the innocent, even though there were people there to do that to him. He challenged Peter on his behavior, and then he kept that situation from escalating by actually healing the person who was hurt. 
Jesus. Never mean-spirited. Truthful. Angry at times in a just way. But gentle. He had power under control. Hands that kill the innocent. It's low character. And that rubs off. Got to be careful. I'm going to put number four and number five together because they're kind of the same thing. It's a heart that plots evil and feet that race to do wrong. And this is speaking of those who rush out and look for trouble. These are individuals who take shortcuts and they cut corners. They're low on integrity. It's not high character and that stuff rubs off on us and we've got to avoid that. Number six, it's a false witness who pours out lies. And this is talking about an individual who likes to gossip and slander. That's a devastating thing in relationships. And many of you have probably experienced that at times. Just know that if you have somebody in your relational world who is giving you the lowdown on someone else to you without them there, eventually they'll give the lowdown on you to somebody else when you're not there. That's just the way that that works. And it's not high character. Finally, number seven, it's a person who sows discord in a family. And this is talking about stirring up dissension and conflict. And again, that's not high character. So what we have here in Proverbs chapter 6 is a template. These are things that do not sit well with God. To where the author even states here, these are things that he hates. These are things that he detests. And I believe it provides an amazing template for us in evaluating ourselves and in evaluating the relationships around us to make sure that we have high character and that we have high character people around us. So let's pull all this together now. I want to share some takeaways that I think will be helpful for us. So number one, as you think about evaluating, begin with you. Begin with you, begin with you, begin with you. This is where it all starts. And I think the danger with a conversation like this is that people kind of feel emboldened because maybe they have low character people around them. And so we hear stuff like this, and this is what God detests, and I've got to make sure I've got high character people around me, so I'm now emboldened to begin going out and smoking people between the eyes. Well, you're this, and you're this, and you're this. And we get all kind of smug and angry and arrogant about it. Listen, I want to beg of you, all right? Don't do that. It never works. And you will not simplify your life. And you're not going to simplify the lives of the people around you. So don't feel emboldened to go out and begin pointing at other people and all of their issues and their low character items. Begin with you. Begin with you. And that's the proper way to walk through this. Now, I think there's a very practical way we can actually look within and evaluate ourselves before we begin pruning other relationships. And that's by asking ourselves some key questions like this. Am I the type of friend that I would want to have? This is a really good question, isn't it? Like, we're always thinking about other people and the type of friend that they should be, but what about me? And as I think about myself, am I the type of friend that I would want to have? Am I honoring others? Am I putting the needs of others first? Am I arrogant or untruthful or mean-spirited? Am I a friend filled with high character? 
And so as we think about developing our relational circles and using this grid here in Proverbs chapter 6, it begins right here. It begins with me. It begins with you. So don't go out and look at other people first. Start with you and run those key questions and see what God does in your heart. Begin with you. Secondly, there is a time to prune your relationship circles. And there's a right way to prune. Don't avoid people and don't judge. Balance truth with grace and love. But I do think there is a time where we perhaps need to distance ourselves and build healthy, godly guardrails with people who are around us who may not have high character. Again, we can't avoid people, and we don't want to be harsh. We want to be filled with grace and truth, and I believe there's ways we can walk through that as we prune our relationship circles. And here's one of the greatest things I think we can do. If your faith and your love for God is igniting in you right now, and you feel really good about what God is doing in you, and you're excited about your faith, and you're excited about your future, and you really want to honor God with your life, if these things are just igniting inside of you, then here's what I would encourage you to do with the low-character people that may be around you. Invite them to join you on your journey. Allow them to see what God is igniting inside of you and what God is doing because we don't have to fix other people. We can let God do his work in them, but let's not be afraid to invite them into our story and what God is doing in us. And I think that's a very effective way we can prune our relationship circles. Number three, there is a time to expand your relationship circles. So again, we've got to begin with me as we evaluate, and then there is a time to prune our relationship circles, but there's also a time to expand them. How do we do that? Well, here's a very practical way based on the life and the example of Jesus, who was a master at building relationships, by the way. He didn't just come to save the world. Now, that's the primary mission there. And that's what he gave his life for. But along the way, he taught us a lot of other things about life. And he did it in very practical ways. So let's think about the life and the example of Jesus as we think about expanding our relationship circles. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, we find something very interesting. We find a description there that Jesus actually had at least... 72 individuals who were close enough to him that he called them disciples. That's exactly the description we find in Luke chapter 10. These were disciples. They had access to Jesus and he spent time with them. There's at least 72 individuals. That's a pretty big group. But if you continue to investigate the life of Jesus, you will discover that he had a smaller group of 12 individuals the 12 disciples, and he spent a little more time with them, taught them a little bit more, poured into their life in some more ways than what he did the larger group of at least 72. And then if you continue to look at the life of Jesus, you discover that he actually had an inner circle out of the 12 of three individuals. 
And he gave even more time to them and even more attention. And he taught them more things than what he taught the 12 and what he taught the 72. So I would posit to you that if Jesus was intentional about developing his relational circles, the 72, the 12, and the 3, if he took time with each group but gave more to each one as it became a bit smaller, if Jesus himself took time to develop these relational circles, don't you think we should do the same? And I think the answer to that is yes. Yes, yes, we should be doing this. And so there is a time, though, to expand our relationship circles. And we see even Jesus himself doing this. So here's a very simple, practical way you can do that. Because the thought sounds wonderful, but how do you implement that kind of a thing? Here's what I would do. I would think about the relationships that you already have and people that are in your world. Maybe you know them well, maybe you don't. But most likely, you have some high-character people around you somewhere. Again, maybe you don't know them well quite yet, but you have some proximity to them. You have observed their life enough to know that they have what we're talking about here in Proverbs chapter 6. They have high character. You have these people probably in your life. So I think over the next 30 days, I would put together a plan where you can take some relational risks and reach out to these high character people, have coffee with them at Starbucks, and maybe you can meet my circumstantial friend, perhaps, I don't know. Or go out to eat with them. Or maybe you can ask them to mentor you and begin to build that relationship. Again, seek out high-character people, people who love God, people who are living these things out in a pretty significant way, and see what you can learn from them as you deepen your relational circles with the right kind of high-character people. Just do something. And we do this. We do all of this. We seek out high-character people. We seek to simplify our relational world because high character rubs off. That's what it does. And in doing that, we avoid isolation and we fight for connectedness. Make sense? All right, let's all chase that this week. As we evaluate ourselves, we start there, but then also look out and prune our relationship circles as well as expand them, knowing we've got to avoid isolation. Let's fight for connectedness. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.